So by my 30th birthday, my wife and I were consumer debt-free with a six-figure net worth that was more than 25% of the way to reaching financial independence. I've got to say, things have been going pretty well for us the last few years, but we didn't always make the best choices with our money. In fact, I'd go as far as to say we've made some really dumb decisions with our money, especially me. So for this Money Talk Monday, I wanted to share five of my worst financial mistakes and what I've learned from them. Let's get to it. Number one on the list is not taking investing seriously earlier in my life. So shortly after I turned 18, I got hired at a warehouse and I was making about $16 an hour at that time. And because I still lived at home back then, my only real financial responsibilities were paying for my classes at the community college, uh, my car insurance, and my cell phone bill. And so instead of making some responsible choices like saving and investing while my bills were low, I was doing stuff like going out to eat and buying new clothes and buying new shoes and just all that stuff that a 18, 19 year old really likes to do with their money. And looking back on it now, that was really the perfect time for me to start investing and building wealth. And to be honest, man, I just completely blew it. I mean, I did have this employee stock option plan and I would put like $50 into it every paycheck. But I never took the time to really learn about my 401k or any other investments for that matter. And so then to make it worse, when I leave this job in 2010, I cashed out all of the stock. And I can remember at the time, the price was around $45 a share, which was higher than when I started putting money in back in 2008. And so that felt really good. Like I felt like I had done something right because I cashed out while I was ahead. And that's kind of what everybody tells you to do, you know, get out while you're ahead. But the problem is that same stock that I was investing in, that company that I work for today, it's at about $110 a share. Meaning my money that if had I just left it alone, it would have more than doubled by now, just on its own, without me touching it, doing anything, that money would have more than doubled by now. And also, had I not bought a lot of dumb, unnecessary stuff and invested like half of my check while I was living rent-free, I would have been in a really just a fantastic financial position much sooner in life. And and I got to be honest, it wasn't like nobody ever really told me anything. Like my senior year in high school, I had this economics teacher and he told our class that when we started working, like we should open up Roth IRAs and put as much money in them as we could and like make all these smart financial decisions. And then my dad at the time also told me to save up and buy this rental property in kind of a rundown area that's now become this hot spot in Houston. And so, you know what? You were right, dad. You, I should have done that. Um, but looking back on it now, what I should have done at the time was ask both of these guys more questions. I should have done more research on my own about these different investment strategies that people were trying to put me up on. And because again, I was making good money at the time and I didn't have really any expenses. I was just blowing my money. But again, I just didn't take it serious at the time and it cost me tens of thousands of dollars. 
Now, I did get around to investing, but it was almost 10 years after graduation when I finally did so. And by that time, I had missed so much of that bull run that just ended. So, dang, what a missed opportunity. And so the lesson here is to take the time to learn about investing as soon as you possibly can. So you don't cost yourself tens of thousands of dollars like I did. Number two on the list is using credit cards the wrong way. So back when I was 21, I landed my first sales job. It was this commission only job and I was excited about it. It was about a year after I had moved out of my parents' house. And so when I started the job, I did have a little bit of money saved, but I knew that I would be making much money early on. So I got a credit card just in case of emergency because I didn't want to have to like go back and ask my parents for anything. I was trying to be Mr. Independent and all that stuff. And so a few months later, I find myself on this road trip. I'm all the way in Wisconsin and we're on the road heading back home late on a Saturday evening and my car starts overheating. Now, this mechanic pulls over and he's able to help us. Like he gets us a tow truck, takes us to his shop and everything. And I'm thinking, man, this guy is a lifesaver. He's doing this so we don't have to be stranded until Monday morning. And so when he's done, he hands me this bill and it's like over a thousand dollars. Now, I don't remember exactly what was wrong with the car, but I know for a fact that it was not a thousand dollars worth of work. But he kind of saved my butt on that one. So I just swiped the credit card for that and swiped it for pretty much everything else I needed to get home. And so the problem with that was I didn't really have the money to pay off the whole cost of the repair. So I just started making the minimum payments. And when I tell y'all that really opened up the floodgates, because after that, anytime something unexpected pop up, I was just going to pull out the credit card. I mean, that's what I had it for. And the thing was, I could cover the bill every month. So really, in my mind, like it was no big deal. Like I'm only using it for emergencies and this little $30 or $40 bill comes every month. I'm able to pay that. So like, what's the big deal about it? But after a while, like I got numb to that bill coming every month. So after a little bit of time passed, it stopped being just emergencies and it turned into things that I really couldn't afford, like vacations and electronics. See, it shifted from being emergencies to just big expenses. And then my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she starts charging too. And so by the time we get married, we have over $20,000 in credit card debt combined. And so looking back on it now, I realized that I made two big mistakes with the credit cards. Number one, I was using it as my emergency fund. I should have had at least three months of expenses saved instead of using this credit card or relying on this credit card. Number two, I shouldn't have used my credit card to buy things I couldn't actually afford. See, by the time I started charging more, I was making about $55,000 a year for my salary job. And so by then, like I had no excuse. I should have been on a spending plan and I should have been paying this thing off and I should have been paying all my expenses and saving up for things as they came. But instead, I was upping my lifestyle as my income increased and I was digging myself deeper and deeper in debt. Now, I'll be honest. I went on the debt-free journey, paid up, paid off everything, cut up the cards, stopped using them. But then recently, I started using credit cards again for travel rewards. But everything I spend was something that was already part of my spending plan. And that balance get paid every single month in full. And and if I'm being honest, actually, the transactions are usually paid like before the statement comes. So like if we go to Costco and spend money there, we usually pay it in the parking lot. So we don't like we don't even really get a bill for it. And also I use it for like work expenses that I get reimbursed for. 
So the lessons from this experience are have an emergency fund and use a spending plan to live below your means. And if you have a credit card for regular spending, pay it off immediately. The third money mistake that I made was trying to keep up with other people. We all get bombarded every single day with ads and social media posts that remind us of what we don't have and where we're not in life. And when that happens, it's really easy to start feeling less than or like you need to do something to catch up. And insecurity is expensive. Like, oh, my neighbor just got a brand new car. So it's time for me to start finding every single thing that's wrong with my car. Or, oh, my friend just got a new phone and the photos they just posted of their kids are like 10 times better than the ones I post. So like now it's time for me to upgrade. Or my old high school classmate just bought this brand new house and it looks like something out of a magazine compared to mine. So then I start thinking like, maybe we have outgrown this space. And really all this is, is nothing more than a race to the bottom. This crazy game where broke people are trying to keep up with other broke people. And I know this because that's how I used to live too. So remember that salary job I was just talking about? One of the first things I did when I got that job was finance a brand new car. Now, did I need a better car at that time? Yes, definitely. My car at the time was like on its last leg, but I definitely did not need to spend almost $30,000 on a car. Now, had I not been worried about my, my friends, my family, my coworkers, and just the random dude at the stoplight would think, I probably would have gotten a reliable used car for about seven, $8,000, but I didn't. And and I know that that's true, the part of me getting an $8,000 car, because that's what happened when we were shopping for our house two years ago. See, when we were filling everything out, we only used my wife's income to keep us from being tempted into buying too much house. And we were still approved for like more than twice our budget. And I remember seeing that going like, wow, like, okay, they're really trying to trap us. So we told our realtor to not even show us homes outside of our price range. and. We eventually settled into the house that we not have now, and this house fits our family perfect, and it's less than half of what we were approved for. It's right in our budget. And see, because of that decision, we have the flexibility to live on one income if we need to. And if we don't need to, the plan is to completely play this house off in like nine years or less. And that's all because we reached the point of not caring what other people think. And to be honest, at this point, like we don't buy things to serve as a status symbol for us. We still drive cars that are like way old. Our house is like nothing fancy, nothing special. It just fits our needs perfectly. But the difference is we now know what we want out of life and our spending is aligned with that vision and it's not aligned with the societal expectations or even peer pressure. So the lesson here is don't focus on what other people have or what you don't have. Focus on building towards your own goals and dreams, because in the end, that's really what's going to lead you to a more fulfilled life. Number four on the list is not having deeper money discussions with my wife before we got married. So when we got married, we had combined about $61,000 worth of debt. And to be honest, we did not know that number until our honeymoon. Like we had been dating for about five years at this point, and we never had an in-depth financial discussion. I mean, we knew like we both had some credit card debt and obviously we both had these car loans and we didn't know like the exact figures, but we knew about what the other made in salary every month. But we never shared exact figures on any of this until we were on our honeymoon and we had our first real disagreement about money. 
And so this disagreement happened because, again, we never sat down and created clear financial goals before we got married. Like we never laid out what we had, where we were starting from, where we wanted to go, any of that as it related to our finances. So like, yeah, I knew Taylor wanted to have the option to stay at home when we had kids, but we never discussed like what we needed to do in order to make that happen. We had talked about buying a house or even retiring in Europe, but we never talked about what we were going to do to get there. And there was also the fact that like I was helping some family financially and I never shared the full extent of that with Taylor before we were married. Now, talking in depth about these things, it wouldn't have caused us to split. We were pretty much on the same page about where we wanted to go. But having in-depth financial discussions could have helped us both put a stop to some of that reckless spending we had a lot sooner. See, the vague, dreamy discussions about like, oh, I'm going to stay home with kids or we're going to buy a house on acres and all that. It's all nice and fun. But see, the actual planning and digging into the details, that's the challenging part. Because when it gets to that, you're talking about sacrifices. You're talking about hard work. And here's the truth. You can't avoid those talks. You really can only delay them because there's going to come a time where you're forced to have that talk just like we were. And I got to speak from experience. When you get to that point where you're forced to talk about this, things can get a little testy in those moments. So the lesson here is to have those important money conversations before you get married. Know how much debt you both have. Know each other's incomes and credit scores and how much you have saved and whether you're supporting family members financially. And you also need to know how each other's individual situations impact the the life goals that you have as individuals and the shared goals that you have as a couple. Um, And then from there, you can start crafting a plan to build everything you want together, whether that's paying off debt, whether that's getting started investing or wherever you need to do, you'll have a great place to start from. And so thankfully for us, again, we were forced into this discussion on our honeymoon and not like way later in our marriage when it could have been damaging for our relationship. So if you are dating someone right now, sit down, have that conversation ASAP. And number five on the list of not so smart money decisions is raising our housing costs right before we got married. A few weeks before our wedding, we signed a lease on this nice three bedroom house. Now at this point, We had no plans to have kids for like years, but when we were in the process of leasing the house, the owners were kind of like dropping hints that they might be looking to sell the house soon. So we rented in hopes that maybe, you know, when our lease was up in a year, we'd be in a good position to buy the house. Like, oh, they like us, They, you know, all these different thoughts about us, again, buying this house, which is yet another example of us having these big ideas with no actual plan to save the money we would need to buy the house anyway. But that's, again, that goes on the last point. But so we were coming from this super tiny one bedroom apartment and now we have this three bedroom house, two bathroom, and we have all this space. And so we use a credit card. We bought brand new furniture for our living room, bedroom. We bought new office furniture and then we get married and we go on our honeymoon and we come back to this house. We don't even need with the realization that One, our net worth is negative. And two, we have $61,000 worth of consumer debt. And so, yeah, talk about perfect timing. So our expenses are going up right as we're trying to lower them to become debt-free. 
And so these decisions less than a month before our wedding made our journey out of debt just that much harder and that much longer. And so looking back on it, what we should have done was just be content with the little one bedroom apartment we had. But again, we were so consumed with what we felt we should have been at that point in our lives. And it was just a mistake renting this big old house. So our focus should have been on using that time while we didn't have kids and we had limited responsibilities to get out of debt and start building up our wealth. But instead of that, we let impatience lead us into a bad financial decision. And that cost us some time and some money on our journey. So again, thankfully, that lease was only for a year and we were able to move back into a small apartment. And that really helped us finish our debt free journey and ultimately grow our net worth by 100K in like two years. So the lesson here is to be patient and stay content with what you have and where you are. Don't rush into these big financial decisions for any reason other than it was just a personal goal you had and you've saved enough or you're in the financial position to be able to do it. At the end of the day, all of these bad mistakes come from one thing, not having a long-term plan for my money. So maybe you've made some big mistakes that you're paying for right now. Hear me, you're not too old to turn things around. You're also not too young to start being responsible. The best time to start taking charge of your finances is right now. So if you're looking for a place to get started, download the Winning to Wealth playbook. This playbook lays out step-by-step instructions to help you make better financial decisions starting now. And you can find it at winningtowealth.com slash playbook. That's winningtowealth.com slash playbook. Also, if you feel like you need to just make some more money to be able to hit your financial goals, tune in every Wednesday in the month of April for our side hustle series. Every single week, I'm going to be interviewing people who are making really good money outside of their traditional nine to fives. And you don't want to miss any interview. I'm telling you, they're all absolutely incredible. But as always, thanks again for tuning in to another Money Talk Monday. We'll talk soon. 